Welcome everyone this morning to Island Community Church. You're meeting in Ferraris today. Would y'all stand as we just worship together? And bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh, oh my soul, I worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship comes up the sun comes up it's a new day dawning it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing with the evening comes sing it out church Lord, I will worship your holy name. 
get back together and continue in worship. I feel so tall this morning. This is really weird for me to be this, this high up. It is good to see y'all this morning. I told somebody earlier, whoever sat on this section over here is in big trouble because they're behind the bars from where I am right now. So uh, if you're good enough, we'll let you out, Ching Hong. <laughs> 
But uh, we do, this is an interesting setup, but we do appreciate y'all being here today and being flexible with us. We wanted to get away uh, today and, and just have a day to, to celebrate. And today is truly for us to celebrate. And I pray that you feel the joy in, in your heart today of God and his faithfulness to us. It's going to be a day where we spend time with God. We're also going to spend time with each other. Go ahead and tell you, we invite you to stay after worship for lunch that we'll have right here in this room. It'll be a fun time. But uh, regardless of why you're here, if you're here for the first time or the 20th time or the 100th time, we're just glad you're here. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here, and it's my joy to lead you and uh, for this team up here to lead you this morning in worship. I do want to go back to God's Word and, and just exactly what Robbie and this team just led us in, Psalm 103. And I just want you to meditate on this because I believe this morning you come, I, I don't know where your heart is today. You know, uh, you... you Worship doesn't just come because you're in a building. Worship comes because your heart is in a right place before God. And I'm wondering where your heart is this morning. Are you this morning in a right place before God? The good news this morning is that, you know, when Jesus came, he said that he didn't come for the well. He came for the sick. We don't have to be in a good place before God by trying to do our best or sing our loudest or try to be as clean as we can be. No, we can know that we're in a good place before God because of his grace because of his kindness, because of his faithfulness, because of his provision, all that he has given to us freely in love in his son, Jesus. So this morning, I want you to, to, to examine your heart. Are you in a good place before God? And if you're not, why? Because God stands ready right now to forgive. He stands ready right now to offer his grace, to clean you from all unrighteousness. If you confess your sin, he is faithful to cleanse you, to forgive you, and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Hear God's word again. This is who God says he is, not what we say he is. This is who he says that he is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not any of his benefits. For he forgives all of your iniquity. You can come to God this morning and worship knowing that He is a forgiving God when you put your faith in Jesus. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with His steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good And your youth is renewed like the eagles. Come to God this morning. He's ready to forgive. He's ready to heal. He's ready to redeem. He's ready to satisfy. Come to Him this morning. Don't come to the band. Don't come to Barrett. Come to Jesus Christ today. Believing that He is all you need. Amen? Let's pray and just worship with sincerity of heart today. God, we thank you. Lord, we celebrate you this morning. Thank you, God, for who you are. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. God, I'm speaking to my soul this morning. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And forget none of his benefits, God. We come to you today, Lord, needing your presence. Thankful for your grace. Believing that the grace of Jesus given for us in His life, death, and resurrection is enough for us. Satisfy us, God, in Your presence. Forgive us. 
Heal us. Redeem us. Holy Spirit, would you fill this place today? In Jesus' name, amen.
Lives around your life. 
Lord, today would you be the place we fix our eyes, and not only today, but every day, Lord. Because of the life that you bring, Father, 
Oh, freedom is found. God, freedom is found in your presence. And we celebrate that today, Lord. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, God, for being so great. Thank you, God, for bringing salvation to us. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Lord. And we praise you today. We praise you because we know you, Lord. We love you, Father. We love you. Amen, church. Y'all be seated. Thank you, worship team. Man, it's good to be together today. I'm so happy. I hope you're happy this morning. Are you happy today? If you're happy today, just put your hands together. I don't know what we're doing, but... (laughs) I wanted you to do that because I'm being serious. We're so happy today. Today is a day of intentional celebration, and I've got to figure out where to stand, not to break the projector or to see everybody, especially those over here in prison. But um, I'm just joking. We love you guys. Sorry you're behind the bars. We are so happy today. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that we call today Hope City Celebration. There's a reason that we're having lunch after worship today. It's not just because we love Ferrara's pizza, though we do. But it's mainly because we're marking today as a day of celebration. And you might ask, what, Barrett, are we celebrating? And I will just tell you simply, we are celebrating the faithfulness of God. Okay, one more time. We are celebrating today the faithfulness of God. Would you agree? I'm just telling you, one thing that I know in life that is true, and one thing that we have seen in this last season of our lives and of our church that is true, is that God is faithful. God is more faithful than you could ever imagine. He is more faithful than you will ever be able to comprehend. He is more faithful than you will ever be able to experience. And in fact, even in heaven, you will never come to the end of understanding the depth and the awesomeness of God's faithfulness. God is faithful. And I'm telling you, if you trust God with your life, He is faithful and He will be faithful to you. If you live by the Spirit of God, if you live under His leadership, if you live holding high His Word, if you live in the Lord, you will find that God is faithful. And I'm telling you, live for God. In this day, we're intentionally celebrating God's faithfulness. And intentionally celebrating His faithfulness, not just for all time, although we could celebrate that, and we are celebrating that to a degree. We're celebrating His faithfulness in this last season of our church's life. God has been faithful to ICC. Amen? And I'm telling you, what we have experienced here in our church and in our community is, can only be attributed to the faithfulness of God. The only answer I have to, to, to people when they ask, how is that happening with you guys? I say, I have no clue other than God is faithful. We've stayed on our knees. We've stayed dependent. We've asked God for His blessing. We've walked in His way. And God is faithful. It's not about what we've done. It's about what God has done. Amen? God has been faithful to us. We've been so encouraged uh, in the last six months as we have seen what has happened as we've committed ourselves to treasure and follow Jesus. 
to treasure and to follow Jesus and to bring everyone everywhere to do the same. If you guys remember, some of you guys were here, and if you weren't here, I'll refresh you. In January, I stood before you, um, I think it was the second or third week of January, and basically cast a vision that I believed, we believed as a leadership team, as a pastoral team, a vision that God was stirring in our heart for this last season of ministry, which is really now past and we're still continuing into the year. And I just want to remind you of the things that at the time were dreams. I want to celebrate with you just for a second at how faithful, again, the specific ways of how faithful God has been. And at any point, you know, some of you guys are in school and you go to graduations and they say, don't clap until the end. I don't have that rule today. At any point, you want to hoop and holler and clap your hands and say, amen, Brother Barrett. Whatever you want to say or whatever you want to do, you can just be excited. I said before you in January, at that time, that we wanted to grow in the area of love. Remember our four pillars, love, liberate, lead, launch. And the vision was aligned to these. I said in the area of love, we want to be a church that's radically in love with God. We want to grow in our Sunday attendance. In the past six months, we have grown in our Sunday attendance by about 15, 20%. Amen? It has been awesome. On Easter Sunday of this year, which has been a marker for us as we've grown, because Easter is a day that typically everybody who's in your church that's in town will come on that day. Our church is kind of cyclical, so a lot of people rotate in and out because of out of town or work schedules or whatever. But on Easter Sunday this year, we had so many people that we ran out of chairs. We had to put people behind the screens. You remember, if you were those people, I'm sorry. It was the biggest crowd that we have ever seen in ICC's history. It was a marker day for us that God is truly growing His church. And worship was so loud that day that you almost could have used earplugs. It was so fun and exciting. I about preached my heart out, too, if you remember that. I was jumping around and sweating up a storm because I decided to wear a suit and dress up for Easter. But listen, God is faithful. And our church is growing, not only in numbers, but we're growing in, I believe, what we see in our worship, the freedom we experience, we're growing in our satisfaction in the Lord Jesus. And I pray that you could say that you're a part of that. We have had a vision to increase in prayer. This morning we had almost 20 people here at 9.30 to pray together. If you're not coming to pray with us, it's one of the most important times of our week to get on our face and pray out to God. We have seen a growth in our prayer ministry, not just here on Sundays, but throughout the week too in our small groups. We have seen, one of the visions that we had was we said, we believe that when our hearts are right with the Lord, that we will see even more income come into the church as we grow in our satisfaction in Christ and as we grow in our numbers, that we want to see an increase in our giving. Not so that anybody can be rich, but so that more ministries can happen through the ministry of ICC. Amen? I can report to you that with an exception of one or two Sundays in the last four months, we have been over in our giving every single week. Come on. We've had more than we have needed, which puts us in a position now to make faith budgets for the next season because as we grow, we will continue to need to provide for more ministries, to provide for more leadership, to provide for new missionaries all around the world. God is providing He is faithful. Amen? And thank you for being faithful to Him. When it comes to loving one another, we said that we were doing pretty good in our fellowship category, and I just report to you that we're still doing really good. (laughs) You guys love each other, and we just can't do much better. We are a church that loves one another, and we have seen that kind of real 
fellowship, and community continue as a part of our church in the last year. I said before you in January, when it comes to our Liberate Pillar, that we wanted to be a church that continues to expand what we do in the community, that we continue to look for new ways to partner and new ways to outreach and to get more of you, our church, involved in serving our immediate community. In the last six months, not only were we able to start new partnerships, but we have grown by leaps and bounds in the numbers of people that are actually coming out to participate with with us in the community. Now some of our community ministries that were once all staff-led are now led by a lot of you who have said, we feel called to this ministry. We will get involved on a regular basis, even leading. And to me, that is a sign that God is faithful. We have seen many new internationals come in through our ESL program and begin to learn about Christ for the first time. We were able to meet, I'm going to call him out this morning, Slogin, who's here today, and his family, because we went to Target House, and because that's one of our regular ministries, and grown a relationship with Slogin and his family, and someone from this church was able to provide enough money to house Slogin and his family while they're here from Serbia to be at St. Jude. Amen? God is faithful. God has been faithful to us. We continue to find new ways to outreach, new ways to minister. People now know ICC is that crazy church that gives waters to runners and they're always doing something in the community. You know what? I'm glad to be known as that crazy church, right? I am so happy because Jesus says, let your light shine before men so that they could see your good works and there they might glorify God in heaven. God is faithful. In the area of lead, we had a vision, I told you in January, to start Two new small groups, because as we grow, we want to continue to find ways to plug you in to intentional Bible study and intentional community that you might walk together in life with people who love Jesus and will encourage you to do the same. Not only did we see those two Bible studies start and do well, but we started three Bible studies this spring. Amen? And all of them are doing well, and we're, we're staged to set even more Bible studies in the fall. God is faithful. We have more people in the church right now involved in Bible studies and intentional community than ever in the history of ICC. Amen? God is faithful. In the area of launch, I stood before you in January and pronounced a bold vision that we might move from two mission trips a year, which we had historically done, taking a total of a maximum of 13 people in last year, that we would start two new mission partnerships overseas this year. It was a bold statement. Some people said, how are we going to do four trips when last year we only had 13 people do two trips? I can say to you today, this year, we are taking those four trips and we have 49 people going with us to four different places overseas. That is amazing. God is faithful. Not only that, but we've had two go outside of the church with the medical preceptorship, with our partnership with the IMB, to India. We had another seven go to Belize with FCO, all of them members of this church. We have a total of 58 people this year who will go overseas that are part of ICC to spread the gospel, to plant churches, to train pastors, to serve the poor. God is faithful. And I pray that that will only grow in the years to come. We have two missionaries still that have been supported and sustained by the ministry of this church that are full-time. Kristen leaving June the 1st. Glenn's still there in Tanzania who we'll go see in June. 
Many new churches have been started. Ministries have been helped because of our faithfulness, but mainly because of His faithfulness to us to be able to pray for, provide, and sustain these missionaries who we know and love. God is faithful. Amen? And I want to be a church that builds our ministry not on our ability, not on our programs, not on some attractional model. I want to build our church on the faithfulness of God. And I believe as we do that, that He will continue to provide and to grow and sustain and bring everyone everywhere to treasure and follow Jesus. The last thing that I told you in January, the vision that we had was that we might get into a building a building that all sack St. Jude came to us and said, hey, we appreciate what you're doing in the community. Would you be interested in the space? Seriously? <laughs> I said, how much does this thing cost? A uh, dollar a year. Seriously? I said, <laughs> yeah, seriously. You've got to renovate it, though. And I told you in January, one of the visions that we had was that God would provide for us. Needed a total of what we think still at the time, we're hoping still at the time, around $350,000 to renovate this building. Over two times our annual budget. From the period of October to around now, when we needed to get in. Cast that vision in January. I have news this morning. You can look at my face and maybe tell what it is. God has provided $350,000 in cash and in pledges for us to move into 721 North Parkway. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is an amazing story, an amazing testimony of God's faithfulness. I've had fellow pastors and friends come to me and say, how in the world are you, how did you guys do that? And I say, I don't know other than God is faithful, and our people are amazing. (laughs) I mean, I'm just serious. Yeah, you can clap for yourself. That's great. God has been faithful to us. Now, we're still in that final contract negotiation, as you guys know, and there's more details if you want to talk to us about that later. Everything is just trying to get squared away, a bow wrapped up around it. We are still in the process, of course, as we go into this construction phase of making sure that we can align our total cost of spending with that which we have raised. And so what I'm saying right now is that we have $350,000, which is the vision that God gave us at the time. And we pray that we're not going to have to need any more, all right? So y'all pray for that with us. But at this time, God has been faithful to fulfill the vision that he has given to us. And I believe that our church is in a great position today to be a lighthouse in our community for the Lord Jesus Christ. You agree? I believe that hope is truly here in this city and that we are truly a part of it because of God's faithfulness to us and our obedience to him. Amen? What we have seen Throughout this, I, today, I am wrapping up the book of Nehemiah. I'm not going to teach you something. That's why you have no new outline here. I am teaching, but I just want to encourage you today. Because I believe that the story that we have seen in the last six months parallels the story that was given to us by God of what He did for His people in the day of Nehemiah. It's a story of God's faithfulness to His people 
Just like we have seen in this season a story of God's faithfulness to us, his people. I believe that just like Nehemiah, what we have seen at ICC is a group of people saying yes to God's vision. We have seen a group of people, you, believing in the promises of God and believing that he can do what he says he can do. Do you believe that? I believe that we have said yes to believing that together. To do things beyond that which we could do on our own. I believe we've seen in our church, just as Nehemiah saw in his day, a group of people saying yes to the invitation to pray and to wait on the Lord in faith. I believe we've seen a group of people saying yes to believing that God can change a life when you come to Him and trust Him and ask for His grace and forgiveness and restoration. I believe that we have seen that just as Nehemiah saw that in his day. I believe we've seen a group of people saying yes to a central task and a central vision. A group of people, just like in Nehemiah's day, saying yes, I will be a part of it. I believe in what God is doing. I believe in where He's leading us. And I want to do my part because I believe that God is faithful. I believe we've seen a group of people here at ICC, as Nehemiah saw in his day, saying yes to stick to the task and to complete the work that God has given us. I believe that we are seeing here at ICC through you, just as Nehemiah saw in his day, a group of people saying yes to the invitation to celebrate, to be happy in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and His salvation. I believe we've seen a group of people in you saying yes to live by God's word and not adhere to the world around us. And I believe that we have seen a group of people saying yes to covenant with him as he has covenanted with us. I believe that God is doing what he has promised to do because we have been willing to say, yes, God, you are faithful and I will build my life and we will build our church on you. And I'm telling you, every time in your life, when you choose to say yes to God, you should expect to see awesome, unbelievable things because of His faithfulness and not your own. Amen? Now the question is for us today. The question is for you today. So where do we go from here? It's awesome. To have a day where we get together and we celebrate. We get all excited about God's faithfulness as we have seen it in the last season. And, we, sh- and it's, we should do so. We should be excited about it. We should celebrate. But the question is for us. After all that we've seen, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? What's the next step? It feels like we're at the pinnacle. Is it just downhill from here? And the answer I have for you is it's not downhill, it's continued uphill because we will continue to build our lives on God's faithfulness. Amen? Where we go from here is to stay close to God. If you've got your Bible, go to Nehemiah 13 and I want to teach you a very quick principle from God's Word. A quick principle that helps you to understand where do you go after spiritual highs? Where do you go after it feels like you're on the spiritual mountaintop? Where do you go when you've seen God be so faithful in your life again and again and you pause to celebrate? What happens next? When the money is raised and the prayers have been answered and the project is complete. 
This is exactly where Nehemiah was at the very end. Nehemiah chapter 13. Between chapters 12 and 13, what we know is that Nehemiah took a little trip. Nehemiah left town. He left Jerusalem. The wall had been completed. God's faithfulness was sure. The promises had been answered. The prayers had been answered. God has been proven to be faithful. Nehemiah heads back to Susa. Why does he go back to Susa? Well, if you remember from the beginning of our study, he goes back to Susa because that's where he had come from. By order of the king, he had come to Jerusalem for this task. The task was now down. Now he goes back to Susa to report to the king. And he's there for some time. And the question is, what happened to God's people after this sign of God's faithfulness and after Nehemiah had led them in the task? What happened next? After they had covenanted with God because of his covenant with them, what happened next? And what we see is, I'm going to give you the answer before we actually read here because I want you to see it as we read. What we see here is that God's people wandered. They began to drift. They began to lose their focus and they began to dabble in sin and the way of the world. They began to wander from God. Even after they had been first row witnesses to all that God had done, to seeing all that God had provided, to the faithfulness of the character of God Himself, even after they sat right in the first row seeing it firsthand, they wandered from God. Let's look at it. Nehemiah chapter 13. And we'll start in verse 4. Now before this, Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of God and who was related to Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of grain and wine and oil, which were given by commandments to the Levites, singers and gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priest. While this was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem. Now again, this is Nehemiah speaking from his personal journal. Nehemiah is not in Jerusalem at this time. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time, I asked leave of the king and come back to Jerusalem. And then I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was very angry. And I threw all of the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. And then I gave orders and they cleansed the chambers and I brought back where the vessels of the house of God with the grain offerings and the frankincense. Verse 10. I also found out that the portions of the Levites that had not been, had not been given to them, so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his field. So I confronted the officials and I said, Why, why is this that the house of God is forsaken? And I gathered them together and I set them in their stations. Then all of Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the wine and the oil into the storehouses. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouses Shilamiah the priest, Sadok the scribe, Pedadiah of the Levites, and of their assistants Hanan the son of Zakur, son of Mataniah, for they were considered reliable. And their duty was to distribute to their brothers. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this. 
And do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for His service. In those days I saw Judah, in Judah, people treading wine wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine and grapes and figs and all kinds of loads which they had brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold the food. Tyrians also who lived in the city brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem itself. Then... I confronted the nobles of Judah and I said to them, What is this evil thing that you're doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way and did not our God bring all of this disaster on us and on this city? Now you, you're bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the door should be shut and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates that had no load, that, excuse me, that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and the sellers of all kinds and wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them. And I said to them, verse 21 now, Why do you lodge outside the wall? If you do so again... I will lay my hands on you. Imagine if I treated you that way. Right? <laughs> from that time on they from that time on they did not come in on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor. Oh my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Verse 23. In those days also I saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod. They couldn't even speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each of the people. And I confronted them, and I cursed them, and beat some of them, and pulled out their hair. Again, what if I did that to you? I won't. The seriousness, though, of their sins here. And I made them take oath in the name of God, saying, You shall not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not the Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations there was no king like him. And he was beloved by his God, and God made him king over all of Israel. Nevertheless... It was foreign women that made even him to sin. Shall we then listen to you and do all of this great evil and act treacherously against our God by marrying foreign women? And one of the sons of Joadiah, the son of Eliashib the priest, was the son-in-law of Sanballat the Horonite. Therefore I chased him from me. Remember them, O my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and in the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleanse them from everything foreign, and I establish the duties of the priest and the Levites, each, excuse me, that was exciting, each in his work. And I provided for the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. There's a simple principle here that I want to teach you today, and we'll be done. The principle is this. 
that after a time of celebration of God's faithfulness, even after sitting in the front row, looking, staring in the face at the faithfulness of God and knowing from a firsthand experience how faithful God is, how providing God is, how much we can trust and believe His promises, how worthy He is for our worship and our obedience, even after that, you are as prone to wander from God as you were before you began. You need to guard your hearts. You need to guard your hearts to make sure that the faith and the fervor that you have for God does not die out, but grows all the more. The longer we should live, it should be indicated by the growing faith and the growing fervor of our trust and love for Jesus Christ. Amen? What Nehemiah saw in his day is exactly what we see in our day. Which is that if you let up, if you let off the gas, if you think, oh, you know, God's been faithful in the past, I'm probably good. If you think, oh, things seem like they're going good right now, I probably don't need to pay attention too much to my spiritual life because there'll be a time later for that. If you think, oh, if you presume upon God's kindness, thinking, you know, He understands. He'll be fine with me. You know. If you become lackadaisical in your faith and fervor, you are prone to leave the God who you love and who loves you. What Nehemiah found when he got back to Jerusalem, this place that was just on fire for worship, their hands were all raised, they were all on their faces. They had just made a covenant oath with God. He gets back. And what he finds is they hadn't been keeping up the house of God. They hadn't been giving. They haven't been attending to the work of ministry. They haven't been keeping God's day holy. They haven't been setting apart time to be satisfied in God and to take off for rest. They have been intermarrying with people who do not know God and do not love God. And their daughters and sons now are marrying people who do not love God, who do not know God, who do not treasure Christ. They are not watching over and leading their families. They have not kept worship by priority. They have not held up the centrality of God's word. They have not stayed pure in their own life. They have begun to intermarry and to intermix with the world. Even these people who had just raised their hands proclaiming and celebrating God's faithfulness, even they did this. So what does Nehemiah do? One by one by one, he pulls out their hair. (laughs) That should deserve some laughter, right? It's kind of a funny moment in Scripture. Like, I get to these moments in Scripture, and like, you know when you're reading the Bible, and you just... You're reading and you go, wait a second. You go back and reread that? Yeah, he pulled out their hair. That's pretty funny to me, right? But it wasn't funny at that moment. Because what Nehemiah was doing was confronting their wayward hearts. He was confronting their wayward lives. He was yanking them by the hair and saying, Who are you? Come on. You were just on your face praising and repenting and worshiping the God who has restored and redeemed your life and us as God's people. Who are you getting back in the middle of all of this crap? Get back to God. What are you doing with your life? 
And God is faithful, and you know that. Why are you walking away from the one who you love and who loves you? You see what Nehemiah is doing? He's trying to show them. But listen, if you want to know the fruit of a tree, excuse me, let me, I totally messed that up. If you want to know the root of a tree, look at the fruit of a tree. If you want to know the root of a tree, whether or not a tree is healthy, what can you do? Okay, look at your neighbor and just tell them how, all right, repeat what I just said. If you want to know the root of a tree, look at the fruit of the tree, all right? Tell them that. (laughs) Fruit and root, fruit, root, fruit. You say it real fast and you get it all mixed up. Y'all got it. You know what I'm talking about. The point is this. By their actions, they were revealing their hearts. The fruit of our life shows us the root of our heart. How you spend your time, how you spend your money, whether or not church is a priority to you, whether or not you care about being an intentional community in discipleship, whether or not you have a heart, not an obligation, but a heart that cares for the poor. All of these things, whether or not you care enough about Jesus to want to marry another person that cares enough about Jesus. All of these things, these fruits, are indicators of our root. Our actions show our heart. Now, we're not saved by our actions. We're saved because we give our hearts to God in faith. But when we give our hearts to God in faith, our actions show that we have given our hearts to God in faith. What Nehemiah is showing the people is, look, you cannot leave God. Your highest priority is to make sure that your faith and your fervor for Jesus are sustained and grow. Anybody ever made a fire? Now just raise your hand if you've ever made a fire. We'll see the real men in the room and real women in the room. The women were like putting their hands down at that point. I don't want to be a real man. <laughs> um, okay, so let me see it again. Sorry, I, I was talking and I didn't, can't do things at once. Okay, good. That's probably about 70% of you. I'm proud of you. Were you in Boy Scouts? Girl Scouts? Where did you learn to build a fire? Okay, well, that's great. I couldn't hear any of you, but that sounded cool. (laughs) Here's the thing about a fire, all right? Now, we just moved to a house that has a fireplace, but we have a gas fireplace now, so this is how I build a fire. It's awesome. I just flip the switch on, you know? It's pretty cool. But then we're so cool that we light a woodwick candle to make it feel like it is a fire, right? Because you hear a little crackle and you just fake yourself out. That's how we build fires. So anyway... This doesn't apply for gas fires. This applies for wood fires. What I'm about to say. It is the tendency of a fire to die. It's the tendency of a fire to die. This is why in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says to Timothy, Fan the flame of your faith and fervor, the call of your ministry, Fan the flame of your faith in Jesus. Because if you're not careful, though you have celebrated the faithfulness of God and experienced the faithfulness of God, your faith is prone to die. If left on its own, if not tended to, if you're not paying attention to it, the fire of your faith could die. This warning... The principle that I want to teach you 
is that you need to always tend to your faith and fervor in Jesus Christ. You need to think about this, all right? Look at your neighbor, and I want you to say, you've got a fire inside of you, all right? Go ahead, go ahead. Now, that could be awkward if you're sitting by a guy or girl that you're not dating, okay? But anyway, <laughs> you've got a fire inside of you, okay? The reality is this. I want you to think about your faith in a fire pit inside of your heart. All right? You've got a fire. Those who have trusted Christ and have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and newness of life by our faith in Him, you have a fire inside of you, the fire of your faith and fervor of Jesus Christ. But it is the tendency of that fire to die unless it is tended to. There are, it is the tendency of your faith and fervor to wane unless you see that it stays white hot for Jesus Christ. Three simple things you can do. How do you treat a fire? How do I keep my fire going? Listen. How do I, how do I keep my fire going in my house? What do you do? You feed it wood, right? I ain't never seen a fire that lived unless you put new wood in it. Have y'all seen that? If so, you're Moses. You were with Moses back there at the burning bush. That's, that was, that's the only time that's happened in the whole world. Fires need wood. You don't put new wood in it, it's going to die. Secondly, what do you have to do? You have to fan it. You have to stir it. That's why the pokers are there. They ain't for your robbers coming into your house, although that's a good little tool. Man, I'm ready. But look, pokers are not mainly for robbers. They're to tend your fire, to stir up the ashes, to turn it around and around, right? Y'all ever done this? I'm thinking y'all may have never made a fire. I was in Boy Scouts. Now I'm prepared, okay? Now here we go. You, you feed it, you stir it, and then what do you do? You cl- remove the ashes. Too much ash, and what happens? It smothers the flame. Now I'm talking practical things. I'm about to go spiritual, so we've got to understand practical first. Everybody with me? Practical. Now, same three things you do. You want to keep your faith and fervor alive? You need to feed the fire in your heart. You've got a fire in your heart. How do you feed it? You want to know how you feed it? God's Word. Truth about God. Meditating on the glorious character of God. You want to feed that fire in your heart by putting new wood into it. Remembering God's promises. Memorizing Scripture. Being around people that can speak to you about who God is and what He has done. You always want to be putting new wood, the new fuel, into your heart. God's truth and God's Spirit. Track it with me. Feed your fire. Secondly, you've got to stir it up. By the way, Hebrews 10 is a great place to look at this. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 22. It says that, first of all, you've got to feed the fire. He says this. Do not let up. Keep the confession of your hope because he who has promised is faithful. That's feeding the fire. Don't lose the confession of your hope. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Keep feeding your heart. Secondly, Hebrews says this. Do not neglect to meet together, but encourage one, each other, encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You want to know how to stir up? Listen, take your hands like this and just stir up your neighbor's fire. Okay? You've got a fire in you. I'm going to stir that fire up. Okay, this is so silly, but this is going to work. All right? How do you stir the fire? By encouraging one another. You have a responsibility to me and I to you to keep the fire stirred in your heart. To ask, how are you satisfied in Christ this week? How do you see in a new way God this week? How have you evidenced God's faithfulness in your life this week? Stir up the flame. Encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. And third, how do you remove the ash? 
Walk in purity of life. Keep sin out of your life. And that's why the next verse in Hebrews 10 says, do not go on sinning deliberately. How could you? Because if you go on sinning deliberately after you have had the fire in your heart, it says there's no sacrifice remaining for sin. Meaning this. What else is going to satisfy your life, is going to save your soul than God? How could you turn from God after you know that God is all you need? If you walk into sin, all you're going to do is find yourself enslaved and frustrated and bitter and leaving the God that you love. Do not walk away from God. He's the one you need. Keep your fire fed with the word of God this summer. I'm going to be leaving you for a lot of weeks this summer. How are you? We're going to still have church every, every week, okay? And it's not dependent on me, but how are you going to keep yourself? Some of you guys going away for the summer. How are you going to keep your fire hot for God? How are we going to see the next season is better than the one we've just seen? Keeping our fire, our souls fed with the word of God. How are we going to keep it stirred up? We're going to encourage each other all summer and into the seasons ahead of how faithful God has been and how much we should trust him in the season to come. Amen? And how are we going to keep the fire of fervor alive? You're going to walk in purity of life. You're going to say no to sin because saying yes to Jesus is always better and more satisfying and more glorifying to God. You've got a fire in you. Keep your faith and fervor alive. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day of worship. For this day of celebration. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we have a testimony this morning that you have been faithful in our personal life through your Son, Jesus Christ, and in our church by your promises that were sealed by the blood of Jesus. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for all that we have seen in this past season of life. Thank you for giving us the book of Nehemiah, God. Thank you for showing us what it looks like to have a people who love you and believe you and walk in your way. Thank you for showing us what you can do when a people unite in a central vision to make much of your awesome name. Thank you for being faithful to them and thank you for being faithful to us. God, I pray today that we would learn from the people of Nehemiah's day. That we are prone to wander. God, we feel it. We are prone to leave the God that we love. Lord, we want to keep our faith and our fervor alive. We don't want the fire that you have ignited in our hearts to go out. Not even a little bit, God. So, Lord, help us to feed it with your word. Ignite it by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be around people who encourage us toward you and not away from you. Help us, God, to live in your way. Because we know that you are the one that we need. And that, Lord, will ultimately satisfy. Keep our ashes removed from our hearts, God, as we give ourselves to walk in purity of life. God, thank you for your faithfulness. And we look forward to seeing what you're going to do, Lord in this next season. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand up today. We're going to have a time of response as they prepare our lunch in the back. I want to tell you this morning, 
that if you don't know the salvation that Jesus Christ offers, if you have never come to a point in your life where you have said, Lord Jesus, I know that only you can save me. And I believe, Jesus, that it is by your grace that I can be saved. I believe, Jesus, that you can forgive me because of what you have done on the cross. I believe, Jesus, that because you rose from the dead, I can have newness of life. If that is you this morning, do not leave this room, I urge you, until you have given your heart to Jesus, until you've opened your heart and your life to receive His grace. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can do that this morning. You can call out on His name and He will save you. For everyone else, I want you to think about the commitment to keep your faith and fervor alive in Jesus Christ. I'm here if you need me or if you want to pray. Let's sing. Come now, fountain, every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. And teach me some melodious Sunday, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain, fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. I was lost, I was lost in utter darkness Till you came and rescued me I was bound by all my sin When your love came and set me free Now my soul can sing a new song Now my heart has found the your grace is always with me, and I'll never be alone. Come out now, come out King, come out precious friends of peace, and hear your Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee Oh, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it Prone to leave the God I love Here's my heart, Lord Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. And come out now, come out king, and come out precious prince of peace, and seal your. 
Meadow Church, come out bound. And come out bound, come out kingdom, come out precious friends of peace, and see your bride to you we see. Oh, come out found of our blessing. Yes, come out found of our blessing. Oh, come out found of our blessing sing that one more time come now found and come now found come now king and come now precious prince of peace and see your bride to you we sing oh come now found of our blessing